Welcome to Split, the After Ever After podcast. We're here along with other experts and real people with real stories to help you navigate life after separation. Whether you're newly separated or divorced and co-parenting, listen now for tips and advice on how to build a foundation for a more peaceful future. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Split. You're here with myself, Ashley, and Jennifer. And we have two very exciting guests on for today's show, Dr. Carol Hughes and Bruce Fredenberg. And they are the authors of Home Will Never Be the Same Again, which is a book about gray divorce. Um, before we get into that, though, mm-hmm. how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm yeah. a little tired today. We uh, had my daughter's birthday party last night. So very exciting. As you can see, my house is a little messy. And uh, yeah, so we tried to do it, this was our sort of first one as the COVID restrictions were gathering. Yeah. So I got to see my brothers. And uh, I know it was like more emotional than I thought, actually. (laughs) It was this like long lost reunion. So yeah, my one brother I hadn't seen since Thanksgiving. We did an outdoor gathering at Thanksgiving. Holy moly, that's a long time. We went to Niagara-on-the-Lake this afternoon, and I kept saying to Josh, like, it, it feels like the time before, like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know yeah. I mean, a lot of people are vaxxed now, so not as many people are wearing masks unless you're in an enclosed space, and I don't, it just felt normal, like, yeah. It, and, and yeah, I don't know, that was nice, it was nice to be out around people, not necessarily engaging with other people, I'm okay to still no, keep that in a yeah. minute, but yeah. No, I know it's very like there's an energy there for sure I think yeah being able yeah. to be a little bit more normal yeah we I was at uh, with some friends at a winery this week and it just felt normal to yeah order from a menu and have food brought to me and yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah and just yeah. have I don't know fill up life with more fun things I yeah. think like anybody who's gone through divorce or anything challenging during this pandemic it's just been that much harder to navigate through mm-hmm. and to focus on the good and have gratitude for the good because everything's been so intense and yeah. serious and scary so yeah I feel like we're I don't know. We're getting there. (laughs) Yeah, I do. Yeah. Like I said, I reconnected with my brothers and just people. It's, um, it's a bit invigorating, right? To like have the new relationships again. And, um, my kids are reconnecting with some friends and things like that. So yeah. So we just had a little gathering. We actually, I was up on the ladder with my friend hanging a screen up on the fence and we did a little outdoor movie. We chose, um, Karate Kid. The 1984 oh, version. Oh, of course. Yeah. And also yeah. like super mom tings, okay? <laughs> Setting up this big projector screen. Like I would have loved that as a child. I would like that even now. I should have come. It was, yeah, party. you should have, you should have. It was fun. So we did the whole like concession stand and we had nachos. Oh and my gosh. And candy, tons of candy. Yeah. So awesome. it was fun. And uh, that movie is super cheap, like way cheesier yeah. than I remembered it was. Um, but it's yeah, a great movie. So we awesome. were sort of laughing at the corny knit, like it was a bit of a comedy for us. But yeah, the kids were kids were into it. So. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so that was fun. Well, speaking about families and mm-hmm. getting together yeah. and enjoying each other's Segway. time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, like I said, today we're talking um, uh, with the authors of Home Will Never Be the Same Again and discussing gray divorce, and it's something that even. Um, 
even the two authors really say is uh, not, there's not a lot of information about it. There's yeah. not a lot of resources for adult children yeah. who are going through divorce. So um, I was really surprised at a lot of what they had to say. Yeah, I was too. I was too. And I talk about that in the interview that um, it uh, was something that I hadn't actually thought about. So I think there's a lot of new information here, even for people like all of us work in the industry and uh, they researched it for a lot of years. I always, I know I've, I've talked about this before as well. I think there's so much information out there from, you know, you could be on someone's Instagram account, uh, blogs, these quick news articles that pop up with a sort of clickbait. And I always am drawn to like hard research, right? Yeah. People who have they're writing things not just based on opinion, but based on research, based on years in the industry. Mm -hmm. And I think especially in this area, when you have so much emotion to actually get at some research sometimes, and, and we do have some objective facts that yeah. we know from research. And uh, they talk a lot about that and their book is based on that. So I'm always very much drawn to that. So I really loved this interview. I thought there's jam packed with lots of tips. Yeah. And the, the tips um, are really usable at in any relationship. I think even outside yeah. of divorce, when they're mm -hmm. speaking about boundaries and having your own identity separate from your parents, there's all these things that are really applicable to anyone and everyone. So mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So please enjoy this interview with uh, Dr. Carol Hughes and Bruce Fredenberg. Okay. Welcome today to the podcast, Dr. Carol Hughes and Bruce Fredenberg, authors of Home Will Never Be the Same Again. Welcome. Welcome, guys. Thank you for Thank having you for us. Having Happy to be here. You. So tell us, as soon as I saw that this was a topic for your book, um, I definitely have not seen other literature on this topic. In my own uh, mediation practice, I definitely have, a, I've noticed a lot more clients in this gray divorce mm -hmm. category. How did you come, how did it come to being that you wanted to write this book? Well, I, this is really Carol's story, but she likes me to tell it because okay. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's really, really amazing. By the way, different countries have different names for this whole phenomena. Uh, we heard from some attorney, attorney in Toronto that in Canada, they're called diamond divorcees. I don't know if you've heard that. Oh, no, I have been. I use great divorce too. So yeah. that's a new one. It sounds a little classier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it gets better. It gets better. In Britain, there's silver splitters. Oh, oh, I like that. Okay. Or, or, yeah. or silver yeah. surfers, we learned the other day interviewing with someone in the UK. Yeah. Silver and surfers. I forget what the Aussies call it, but uh, we chuckle because we think maybe the Japanese nailed it with retired husband syndrome. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So, so, so the way this came about is uh, Carol and I have both been uh, California licensed marriage and family therapists and child therapists for, for a few decades. And, and we met in graduate school and um, we're also co-founders of the collaborative uh, divorce practice group in our area where we help people with out of court settlements. But before that, in our practice, we would come across people in this demographic, either suffering because of a bad divorce their parents did or because of a divorce they did that went badly. And one of our attorneys, that are, when I say our attorneys, one of our friends or attorneys we work with a lot, used a phrase to Carol that, that really resonated. He said, people need to know that adult children are major stakeholders in their parents' divorce. Mm -hmm. You know, the courts don't acknowledge it at all, but you know, we do. We do. 
And so Carol wrote a blog article about that. She's really moved the role of child specialists really forward in, in, in the world of collaborative and mediated divorce. And so she uh, wrote a little article for a blog and then some months later, a writer for the New York Times uh, was researching and found the article and called her up and asked if she would be interviewed. And Carol said yes. And then a few months later, because it is the New York Times, it was picked up by a uh, literary agent from one of the major literary houses in New York who read the article and it resonated with her and her life. And she called Carol up and asked if she'd be willing to write a book on it. And wow. Carol said yes, because she's enthusiastic and un understands an opportunity when it comes. And we have two or three other books that we've never finished in our computers that we've talked for years. Well, let's do this, let's do that. Never dreaming this would be the topic. So Carol came to me and said, you know, we've been, we have been friends for you know, a long time in graduate school. And she asked me if I would be willing to write this book with her. And I said, yes, naively, not knowing I was signing on for a four-year journey, which I'm really, really glad, really happy to have done it. But at the same time, four years of research and writing and editing and rewriting. And one of the things that was really clear is this is not just an underserved population, it's an unserved population. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, it's, it's, and it's growing rapidly. Uh, Carol's got the statistics better than I do, but about 300,000 couples in the United States alone every year in this over 50 category are divorcing with their one to two children. So somewhere between 900,000 and 1.2 million people each year in just the United States enter this demographic. I'm sure similar in Canada and, and around the world, it's a growing problem and nobody's helping them. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, well, like I said, yeah, as I, I agree. As soon as I saw the title, I thought, oh, this makes perfect sense. But yeah, no one is really talking about it. And would you say, like, is that the biggest mis misconception that you're seeing that people are just sort of thinking, okay, you're adults, you're fine, you're just going to deal with it? Yes, exactly. In fact, the research indicates that uh, the little bit of research that there is about half of the adult children ages 18 to 50, that's the age ranges that have been studied, uh, whose parents are divorcing, about half of them report some very severe negative emotions, uh, depression, anxiety, excessive worry, uh, trouble with work, uh, trouble in their relationships, whatever their relationships might be. Um, it, it's quite a phenomenon. And, and they uh, about half of them become estranged from their parents due to people not understanding them and thinking they should just get over it. The good news is that uh, within five to 10 years, which is still a long time, most of that 50, more, a little bit more than 50% of the adult children and their parents have reconciled. And generally it's the reporting and the research is that it's the adult children who reach out to the parents and ask, you know, will you go to a counselor with me, a clergy person, therapist, someone, because they really realize how much they do value the relationship with their parents. And it really speaks to the attachment bonds that are formed from cradle to the grave, as mm -hmm. one of the researchers in the 40s and 50s called it, uh, the cradle to the grave attachment theory. 
Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Can you, and can you elaborate? We both had that quote written down from your book that um, adult children are stakeholders in their parents' mm -hmm. divorce. Can you, you had a great example of that in the book and can you kind of elaborate what that means? Yeah, they're stakeholders in a lot of ways. And, and Bruce, I'd like you to, in a second or minute, uh, share that story from the attorney. That's actually the attorney who told me that term. And he was gracious enough to write a piece for the book. Uh, but they're stakeholders in so many ways because there is no such thing as a neutral experience for children, for anyone actually who's touched by divorce because so much change comes with divorce right. and it's financial change, emotional change, financial impact, emotional impact. And um, we'll talk about that more in a second. Um, Bruce, why don't you share that excerpt, that story that our attorney Bart Carey wrote uh, for us. And they're true, sure. a story that he encountered in his mediation practice actually. Yeah, and, and it really shows that, it, you know, at the end of the day, what people are really going to regret or not regret about their divorce is if they lose the relationships with the people they care most about. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter how old they or their kids are, they're still their kids, they're still the parents, and, and it's such a terrible loss. If people really understood what that could mean, they'd probably choose different processes. But this particular attorney, uh, he had uh, a couple come into his office. And right away he asked what they, what they wanted. And the wife said, well, um, he's gonna get everything. He tells me I'm gonna get nothing. I have a little social security and, and maybe I'll get my car, but that's it. And then before they got going, and I don't have the, all the sequence right because it wasn't my experience, but yeah. uh, somebody, uh, assistant told the attorney somebody was waiting in the waiting room and, it, and he went out and it was two young men and they were there because they were afraid that their dad had brought mom to some you know heavy hitting scorched earth attorney who was going to take all the money and, and leave her broke and you know they were really worried about her and wanted he explained well that's not what we do here okay you guys are welcome to wait or not but i'll meet with your parents yeah. so he goes in and then he asked the uh the husband well, is what your wife said true? You know, who said you're going to get everything? And, and he said, well, I've talked to my attorney and he says, that's how it's going to be. I'm going to get everything. And the wife said, yeah, I don't even know why we have to be here if that's going to happen. And our attorney friend, he said to, you know, to us that, well, I wasn't going to bother arguing him about whether his attorney was right or wrong. Um, you know, I think I'll see what's underneath this. And so we asked the guy to talk about what he wanted to do with his retirement. And the guy loves his grandson and he had plans to go fishing with the grandson at local lakes around. And so he asked the wife if she'd leave the room for a minute so he could talk to her husband more. And then he said, you know, I met your son out there and I can't help but imagine that if what you say is true, that they're going to be helping their mom. It's after all, it's her mom. And, and she may even be living with one of them like most of the time or the other. And I'm wondering what, what do you think is going to happen sometime when you go to pick up your grandson to go fishing and she answers the door and what kind of conversations do you think are going to go on before and after this and how that might affect, you know, how your grandson feels about you going fishing. And so the men rethought the whole thing and they ended up making agreements that really worked for the entire family. Once he really got what was at stake, you know, whatever his, his beef was, it wasn't worth losing that. Right. Yeah. And people, and, I'm sure you see this people in going through divorce think it's about the money or the property or sometimes with minor children, the, you know, the custody parenting schedule, we call it 
And it's really about the relationships, you know, that's mm -hmm. what's underneath. And I'm sure you, you both see that as well because they are for a lifetime. I, I was thinking as I was reading through the book, like, you know, the amount of people who stay in their marriage when it's, you know, quite dysfunctional for the sake of the children, because they think that the impact will be minimized once they've moved on. And reading through all of this, it just seems so obvious to me that like it, it still has divorce has such a huge impact on the family mm -hmm. unit really at any age. And I think that was a really important takeaway, um, even for somebody who's younger and really kind of really struggling in their mind. Should I stay or should I go and what can I do to help support my children through this time? So what what can older parents do to support their adult children through this transition? Well, first of all, I mean, you're a mental health professional, Ashley, so you know what I'm going to say. As soon as I say it, you'll agree, I'm sure, that uh, there's a lot of research in our field that simply listening deeply without judgment, criticism, trying to convince the person to think differently is a big part of healing. So as much as the parents would like to say something like, what, you're not six years old, what do you mean you're angry or sad or worried or frustrated or whatever, the depressed or, uh, what do you mean you're not happy for me? You know, I'm, I'm getting on with my life. Why can't you be happy for me? That's not the thing to do. The thing to do is to listen deeply to what your adult children are telling you, they're feeling and experiencing. And if you don't know what active listening is, it's a simple thing you can practice. Just simply say back in the most sympathetic, caring voice that you can have, say back what they're saying. Mm -hmm. So you're saying you, this was a big shock to you. And you're saying that you're angry at me or us and you're anxious or depressed and you're having trouble in your own relationships. And then I'm so sorry, I didn't realize this was going to affect you this way. Something like that, that's the first thing. And then there are a lot of other tips that we give in, in the book for the parents, like don't use your adult children as your counselor, your confidant, mm -hmm. your therapist. You need to get someone on your own for that or at least a best friend uh, that you can talk to if you can. And um, you know, if, if they're, tell them what's gonna stay the same, if you know what's going to stay the same, and tell them what's going to change. I mean, sometimes the younger adult children are dependent on their parents financially mm -hmm. uh, for college or whatever training they're doing. Uh, and if you can continue to help them that way, great. And if you can't, be honest. That is another way adult children are stakeholders in their parents' divorce if they are de dependent financially on them. And Bruce, I know you have some extra points that you can add as well, how the parents can help their children. Uh, sure. One of the things that ha often happens in families is family infighting. You know, it can become family civil war as the blood kin take up their, their child's uh, or their siblings, um, you know, side. So one of the things we encourage parents to do is to let your children know that they're, it's really okay for them to have a relationship with their other parent. And, and, and it can also be a problem if uh, one sibling chooses one parent to be the bad one and then some, the other one talks to that one and then they get labeled a traitor. And so the parents could let them know they don't want them to do that. 
if they really want to prevent trouble, they could go to their own siblings or the aunts and the uncles and the grandparents of their adult children and tell them that you don't want them to be inviting your children to bash the other parent conversations because that can be really uncomfortable for them. And even if it isn't, they don't want it to be a problem for them. So they just want to be clear of that. And it's so important because when people do that taking up sides, it makes it so hard to heal later on if, if, it's, if it's gone to any kind of an extreme. And so we think that that's one of the biggest things parents can do is to help their kids avoid being sucked into the into the middle. In fact, uh, you know, in our, uh, I guess maybe it's the International Association of Collaborative Professionals, maybe came up with the slogan, make, put your children in the center of your divorce, not the middle of their divorce. Right. And it, it makes a big difference, you know, and, and we yeah. like to, and we would like to remind parents that, you know, your soon to be ex-spouse isn't going to be your ex anything. It's always going to be your child's other parent because yeah. just like language can create problems they can solve problems too and so you know it's going to hurt your child if you so don't you bash and don't tell your children about your sexual uh, disappointments in the other parent or, or the, <laughs> no people do that you know what i mean yeah, yeah they, they do, do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they do or or, the, or you know it's your father's fault or your mother's fault that we don't have any money for your college you know yeah. just right. i'm laughing right. because it seems so obvious but those are things and we structured the book with a lot of tips and strategies all the way through but we have uh, a whole chapter on hope and healing and two chapters on communication because communication is so so complicated well, I think it's so fascinating that you're saying this about not, um, you know, putting the kids in, in the middle and not, um, you know, speaking badly in front of the children, because when we have young children, dependents and minors, that's, you know, we beat that drum all the time. We seem to, you know, most people understand that's inappropriate, you yeah. know, you're not going to do that for children. But I know my own clients that these great divorce clients who have adult children, they are actively speaking with their kids because they feel like, well, they're old enough to have their own opinions now. So yeah. they are furious with their father and they're old enough and they see the situation. So they definitely sort of feel this license to speak ill of the other parent and they don't think that there's any damage happening there. They forget right. their parents. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's like a role reversal. You know, the parent yeah. becomes the child and the child becomes the parent. And many, many adult children say they don't like that, just as minor children say. And, you know, sometimes the parent is maybe infirm or the adult children are worried that they're going to be a mark, you know, for a con person or something like that. And so it's appropriate for the adult children to step in and help them get to someone like both of you, but not to be, you know, the person that they lean on because they aren't professionals in this field. And that's one of the things we tell the adult children is say, I'm, I will help you find people, you know, professionals that can help you, or maybe our pastor or a rabbi or someone. Uh, but I'm not a professional in this. And I love you. I care about both of you. Even if I'm mad at mom or dad, they're still my parent. And to deny that, that adult child, that of that relationship that can last and does last, last either negatively or positively for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. That is inappropriate and it's really unfair to the adult children. And yeah. we were even surprised to, to well, one time it really hit me when I was rewriting a chapter. Here are these adult parents who are clearly in pain themselves, right? Yeah. 
and they're adults, right? So being an adult didn't protect them from pain. So why in the world would they think that their adult children are just going to blow it off? You know, That's they're so adults, you're an adult. How are you feeling today? Well, not so yeah. good. Yeah. And when I ask parents that what Bruce just said, they often just go completely silent. Like they're really thinking about that. Well, yeah, wait a second. That does make sense, you know, mm -hmm. because they've been stuck in that other that, as we as you said, um, Ashley, I think like a peer relationship, they forget that their parents and that their child is always their child, even though they're an adult. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I see I'm thinking of clients that I've had with adult children where I think, you know, the, the children are so used to for so long seeing their parents in certain roles. And so yeah. in some of these, you know, now dad's out on dating sites and moms, you know, traveling and this isn't the idea that they had of their parents. And so they're angry about it, but mm -hmm. it's not necessarily that either of them is doing something wrong, but just they've right. had this one idea of them. For exactly. So long. Right. To, to not ever have thought of your parent, even as a sexual being, yeah. much less dating. And, and some parents are asking their adult children for dating advice. You know, like, I haven't dated for 30 years, 25, 40, whatever. What do you think? And they're just like, no, don't ask me this, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so again, there, there's a lot of help out there for, for parents. And there are a lot of online support groups now, you know, Facebook and all different people, you know, like you and, yeah. you know, that are running these support groups that can really help the parents and it, and it won't interfere in the parent-child relationship. So well, that you, reminds me of, yeah. of, of, of another don't for parents, you know, yeah. uh, and Carol may have mentioned it, but don't expect your child to be as happy about your divorce as you are. Right. Don't, don't expect right. them to be, to be all, you know, thrilled to meet your new love interest that's replacing mom or dad. And yeah. parents who want to bring that new person into family celebrations like Thanksgiving or Christmas or Passover or a wedding or a birth or parents who make their hurt the central theme. You know, I'm not coming to Johnny's birthday party if that rat's going to be there or yeah. I'm not coming to the wedding. And so all of a sudden the spotlight's off the person being celebrated and onto the parent who hasn't invested um, frankly, money or time in getting past this so that they don't turn family celebrations into family traumas. And one of the effects of that sometimes is, let's say the spouse whose parents are not divorcing, looks, you know, sees that effect on their own children, you know, the grandchildren, mm -hmm. and they, well, I'm just not going to put up with that anymore. Your parents, or your mom or your dad's just not going to see the kids, you know? Yeah. And that's a risk too. And that's hard to defend for the other person because they don't want the kids hurt or they see money going out the door and, and trouble that they're causing in their family. It's, it makes people start questioning their own marriage as well. Yeah. Yeah. A huge ripple effect to all the different, yeah. Mm -hmm. All the different relationships. Yeah. I do. I do see that more in the, in clients with adult kids that I don't know when they get to that decision of divorcing, they just don't want to hear it from anyone. I feel like, right. There's a greater mm -hmm. sense of like, I'm finally doing this yes. to hell with everybody else. And mm -hmm. I'm just going to make my choices. So and right. I think because, yeah, they do have the misconception, some of them don't want to paint the ball right. with the same brush, have this misconception that, yeah, the adult kids, they're, they're fine. They're adults mm -hmm. now. So. Right, right. So yeah. do you have some more sort of like specific kind of do's and don'ts and advice for these adult kids? So mom and dad are saying we're splitting. What kind of boundaries 
can they set before things go sideways if they feel that mom and dad are not handling it in appropriate ways? Mm -hmm. Well, as I mentioned earlier, uh, they can reach out to their parents and see if their parents will work with a neutral professional, you know, like one of you, uh, to who doesn't have a horse in the race, so to speak, mm -hmm. to help them. Sometimes people can hear better from a third party, a neutral party, and talk about what are they uncomfortable about uh, and what are the boundaries. And a lot of people don't even know what boundaries are, um, but, you know, it's, it's what we, it's like setting, putting a fence up. It can be a brick wall that we can't get through, or it can be like a fence that's, you know, like a yellow, a white picket fence that we can get through a little bit. It's got a gate on it. And, and what are some of the topics? Like we encourage adult children to think about what are the topics as you look down the road that you think are going to be difficult, like holidays? Yeah. You know, do you want, do you really want to schlep your kids if you have kids or schlep yourself back and forth between mom's house, dad's house? It's still not comfortable. Yeah, they have more power because they're driving or, you know, can get around on the, you know, subway or whatever on their own more than minor children. But is that how you want to spend your holidays? And it, like Bruce was saying, or as Bruce was saying, if the parents are not being friendly, which we hope people will be friendly as much as they can, but if they aren't, they're not going to want to be in the same room. Mm -hmm. So there'll be two birthdays, you know, two holidays, two Thanksgivings, because I know you in Canada have a Thanksgiving, two different mm -hmm. from ours, you yeah. know, two this holiday, two that holiday. And we educate adult children that you can actually make the holiday that you want it to be. This is where being an adult is helpful and you can decide you and your family, if you have a family, you're going to go do your own family mm -hmm. holiday mm -hmm. and, and tell your parents that and because they've made it so uncomfortable, you're choosing to go, uh, you know, maybe to the in-laws. Uh, right. Hawaii, or, or Hawaii Christmas, you know? Or Hawaii. We, or, we were going to come over and watch you guys call names, but we decided to go to Hawaii. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Because your feelings are important. And that's another reason that, you know, I started writing the blogs is adult children say, I feel like I'm invisible. And nobody cares about what I'm feeling. I feel completely discounted. So what adult children can do is focus on what you're feeling is natural and share it, kind of the reverse of what I was saying earlier, share it with your parents and tell them that you expect them to really listen to you mm -hmm. because these are really true, valid feelings and experiences mm -hmm. and do your best to get through to your adult, to your parent. And if you can't, then it's okay to take a break as many of the adult children in the research projects, not that we did, but uh, different universities have done and, and take care of your own mental health first yeah. right yeah would you say you've kind of mentioned it a few times today i know in my practice it just constantly comes up that time is really one of the biggest tools mm -hmm. i use a lot of mediation and just yeah, yeah giving some time backing away or yes yeah, right and tell your parents because what you're experiencing is real and valid you need time away to process it Mm -hmm. Talk to a, a counselor, a therapist, or a clergy person, or friends. Uh, but if none of your friends have gone through this, they don't get it either. And that's what we hear a lot as well from the adult children. And that was reported in the research projects that we found. Mm -hmm. Is the friends who haven't gone through it, they don't understand either. And we'll say things like, well, aren't you glad you weren't six? 
years old when this happened. And that's not helpful. No. Right? Right. But they become part of the Greek chorus, you know? Well, I don't understand why this has taken so long. My cousin Judy got all of Microsoft in her divorce. Why aren't you getting all of Microsoft in your divorce? Yeah, uh, yes. Real unhelpful things like that, or you should really get them. In fact, there's a, an award-winning documentarian, um, Ellen Bruno in San Francisco, who interviewed children going through divorce. And then she's come back to them with a teenager, when they're teenagers. But she said when in her own divorce, looking back on it, she was surprised how much support there was for you should really get them. You know, a lot of support for war, no support for peace. And it's, it's you know, I guess it's a reflection of our societies that people who can't afford peace because it's too expensive can always find a way to mortgage the house to go to war. And, you know, yeah. it's not a good choice. Yeah, good point. I mean, I see that all the time in my practice. I'm, I'm getting the, the better senses about it now, like things will be going well, and then we'll have a session where someone all of a sudden is asking for all these things. So then it's just a matter of figuring out, okay, did you talk to a lawyer or your friend or like who right. told you? Yeah, exactly. We're careful to refer when people need therapists. We try to refer them to people who at least have an understanding of these non-adversarial processes, or they become the same part, same Greek chorus, because all they know is combat divorce. And well, that shouldn't be happening. You should. Yeah. And I think a, a lot of the time as well, like we we've spoken about this on the podcast before. People um, get stuck in the story of their divorce and the story yeah. of all that went wrong and who's to blame and being the victim. Um, mm -hmm. And then when they meet with a professional, it's that it's that professional's job to help guide them towards the business of this divorce and moving right. forward. And yes, those things happen, and we can all feel our feelings, but we need to be thinking big picture and how you want your life to look beyond this divorce. Much like you were saying with that anecdote, Bruce, about good luck fishing with your grandson if yeah. none of you are speaking anymore. So right. it's really important. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Um, one of the one of the topics that we talk about with the parents is what is the legacy that you want to leave your children and grandchildren even if you don't have any yet uh, from this time in your life do you want to leave the legacy of war which is often what you know litigation is or do you want to leave the legacy that you chose a family focused what we call a family focused divorce process like mediation is and as collaborative divorces or even cooperative divorce, where we do, as you said, Ashley, encourage people to look forward, look down the road. It isn't that what you're saying isn't valid. You know, who's to blame? I'm a victim. This is what happened. That story is important. But what do you want your divorce story to be? And we encourage them after a little bit of time has passed, not the first time we meet with them because they're not ready. But what do you want your divorce story to be? Do you want it to be one of war and battle and fighting and people lining up on each side? Or do you want your adult children and whoever else comes after them, grandchildren, to say, wow, mom and dad did this in a respectful, dignified, honorable, friendly way. Mm -hmm. And those of us who work in the divorce field believe that probably the majority of parents can do this in an amicable way. Mm -hmm. They just don't know they can yet because yeah. litigation is still the default, you know, in, in most, not all industrialized countries, but certainly in the US and I think in Canada too, from what I hear from our Canadian- It's a well-kept secret. 
Yeah, people people don't know what they don't know. Usually even when I get phone calls, like my consultation calls, people are still like, okay, someone used the word mediator, but tell me what it is. Um, right. And those are the people that found it as, as an option. So right. yeah, right. not a lot of, uh, not as much education about it for sure. We right. have had new, um, led, new changes to the Divorce Act in Canada that are requiring uh, legal professionals to recommend uh, alternative dispute resolution before they uh, go to litigation. So mm. that is um, that's good. helpful. Yeah. Yeah, that's very good. Mm -hmm. um, our attorney colleagues tell us that in California, at least that, and it's probably this way in many states of the U.S., that attorneys are supposed to uh, educate their clients about all the options yeah. for divorce, uh, but the majority don't. And so that's why we like the term family-focused divorce processes, which sounds like an oxymoron, moron, I'm sure, <laughs> but people do kind of go, well, what's that? Yeah. You know, and then we can talk about the value of the relationships, you know, saving, preserving the most, probably the most important relationships in your life. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think particularly for um, older clients who who have adult children, like that's sort of their retirement plan, right? They picture themselves mm -hmm. hanging out with their grandkids, going to the family cottage, like doing all these things. So, yeah, that's they have to think about that. I that future kind of focusing I do in my practice as well, just with clients thinking, mm -hmm. you know, if they're very high conflict, like what do you want things to look like in a year? Where, right. do you, where do you want to be five years from now to kind of get them out of that conflict? Yes, yes. In fact, you mentioned that five year mark. You probably are familiar with uh, Judith Wallerstein's uh, 25 year research uh, project where they followed, she was at USC or UCLA, I forget which. Um, they followed the same children from ages three on, whatever age they were, the youngest were three, for 25 years, and they followed the parents. And not, you know, some dropped out, of course. It's the only longitudinal study like that in the field of mental health. And what they found, there are a lot of things they found, some of which we've already talked about, how caught in the middle, you know, the children felt, even by when they became adults, because some of them were 25, you know, by the time it got to the end of the study. But to me, the most astounding comment that the parents made, the majority of the parents said, looking back at the five-year mark-ish, uh, I wouldn't have done a lot of the things I did uh, that I know now I wouldn't do five years later because it gives time for the emotions. You know, we process our emotions, yeah. not everybody, but a lot of people do. And the things that I thought I was fighting for that I thought were in my children's best interest were really in my interest. Yeah. That's profound. Yeah. So that, yeah, that five-year mark is, it seems like a significant, you know, mark. And, and when you were talking about, you know, the people staying together for the benefit of the kids, uh, uh, some years ago, the California Association of Marriage and Family Therapists uh, just did a survey and everything known about divorce at that time, because people would say, you know, how much does it harm kids to divorce or should you stay together? And, and what they found, you know, overall was that if it's a low conflict marriage, uh, 
and the parents are unhappy or not satisfied, but it's low conflict, the kids will probably be okay because there's that, you know, the variable of how much conflict is, is what makes it bad. So if a low conflict marriage moved into a high conflict divorce, then the kids really will suffer from that. Right. If it's a high conflict marriage, and they move to a high conflict divorce, then that's double pain. But uh, but parents of a high conflict marriage, if they can go to a family focused uh, divorce process with low conflict, the kids can actually benefit from that versus the parents just toughing it out to model a terrible relationship for their kids later on. Right, right. And being unhappy themselves. And one of the things that we think has moved the uh, acceleration of gray divorce forward is that, uh, and I want to get these numbers right, um, in, in 2001, 40, at least in the United States, 45% of the population considered divorce to be morally acceptable. And by 2014, it had risen to 69%. And we think wow. it's higher now. And I suspect you'll find similar things in Canada. I know in Canada, divorce used to be much rarer, but now obviously it's, it's not so much. Yeah. And, but you know, some people get stigmatized by their faith, you know, their churches, they get shunned yes. or their synagogues for different things. And, but some of that's less. And one of the attorneys in our area, the same one who told the story about that, that couple, he actually uh, was able to persuade the uh, bishop of the local diocese, the Catholic church, to hold uh, two different masses for divorced people in two different parts of the county, which is a huge shift for the Catholic church. And I'm not Catholic, but I attended to be supportive of this move. And I could just see the hunger in those people to be accepted back in their, you know, back in their community. So as that stigma gets raised, uh, a lot of people don't want to stay in a, a marriage with someone that at, at best they're tolerating and at worst can't stand yeah. simply because when they were a lot younger and didn't know what yes. it meant, they promised till death do us part and then got absorbed in building their career and raising the kids. They didn't have to notice who they were married to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and that does make me think of, you know, the clients that are going through the great divorce. I mean, they've been married that much longer and have intertwined their lives that much more. So I know that, um, you know, in some of my clients, people who have never done banking ever, they're in, you know, for 30 years, 40 years. So it, it can be more impactful and more difficult to come to that decision, of course, mm -hmm. right? rather than mm -hmm. ending a five-year marriage or an eight-year marriage, ending a 30-year okay. marriage. Right. And the, adult, and the adult children say, just to piggyback on what you were saying, is that this is the only family I've ever known. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe it's a second divorce for their parents, which it brings a whole a lot of different yeah issues that we won't go into at this point but you know if they their parents let's say the adult children are 25 30 40 50 years old that's a huge loss i mean they talk about the adult children talk about it's like was my rock it was my foundation it's how my what my identity was in the community you know we were the happy family we were the family that argued whatever it's still the family that they knew and versus, and we're not saying that minor children don't feel pain at all, but you know, you compare that to you know, kids who are five, 10, 15 years old, it's difficult for them too. But you compare that though to adult children, there's a lot more time that yeah. they have and memories and all of that, that is going up in smoke, as they say. Right. So try to keep it 
in a family-focused divorce process as possible, as what you work in. There's another uh, sensitive complication that doesn't come up too much, but I, we were actually uh, last year asked to write an article for a Canadian magazine on what happens when one of the divorcing people is the caregiver for the other parent who's infirm. Yeah. And uh, oh, yeah. who's going to take over that? Well, likely going to be the, the, the adult children. Mm-hmm. And so the parent who's been that caregiver under, can understandably be worn out, especially if the marriage wasn't going so well before. But even just being a caregiver, it's, you know, there's been volumes written on how hard that is. But, so they really could make it easier by making sure that the adult children are familiar with all the medical team, whoever's taking care of their, their other parent, right. all the routine, how you do this. And, um, you know, it doesn't mean the person has to be stuck forever because their partner who they want, were going to divorce got sick. Although, you know, those are deep roots and, and it would be a much harder challenge. But if you've been enduring the marriage for a long time, then it might be, I just don't want to do this too. But it's way more complicated if you don't help the adult children with the transition. And they have to, and the adult children got to understand that, you know, it's it mom or dad, whoever it is, it's legitimate that they're worn out and tired. Just, you know, you can, you can look it up. It's, they're not making it up. You know, that's a reasonable thing. And it's unfortunate that you have to step into this, but, you know, you can't just leave them to, defend for themselves and, and those need open conversations which I think go better with a trained professional I'd be it a clergy person or a therapist who's been through this before and isn't overwhelmed by the emotion of it yes because mm-hmm. uh, as we know yeah with all our clients through divorce it's that's the uphill battle sometimes right people are just so intertwined with their emotion in the moment that they can't really see straight or you know make some rational choices and yeah and all those roles are changing those family roles are just completely switching around in a lot of those cases when you're talking about the caregiving yeah right right well thank you so much today i really was fascinated by this book because i work in this field and I really had not thought about these adult children and I've listened to my clients you know tell stories about their splits and that sort of thing and and didn't really realize as we talked earlier in in situations where they definitely were putting those adult kids in the middle in the wrong way um and I myself yeah even as a mediator didn't really realize how inappropriate that was still as adults um so I really love how much practical advice you give for um the people divorcing and for the children where can people find the book and where can they connect with each of you with your information thanks for asking uh the book is available on Amazon of course uh, it's available in hardback because that's what the publisher publishes in first and also via Audible, uh, so the audiobook, which is also on Amazon, the same website, and then um, also Kindle. And those are the three options on Amazon. And then the publisher's website, which is Roman and Littlefield, Roman is R-O-W-M-A-N, uh, has it offers it in hardback and ebook. So there are a lot of different choices. And then of course Barnes Noble and every other bookstore around, you know, and it's in public libraries, we know for sure, and uh, university and college libraries we know in the US and Canada and even Spain. 
in Moscow, someone contacted us from Moscow. Oh, so that's yeah. exciting. <laughs> we don't know where all they are, but uh, it's yeah. out there. So yeah, so thanks for asking. And uh, I'll just go ahead and give my, my divorce website is divorcepeacemaking.com. And you, people can email me through that website. My therapy website is drcarolhughes.com. I have two different ones because they're different, different okay. uh, processes. Yes. Yeah. And Bruce, do you have some contact information of your own as well? I do. I've, I've got a uh, my therapy website is on psychology today under Bruce R. Fredenberg, LMFT. And my divorce website is orangecountydivorcecoach.com. And then Carol and I can both be found on the website of cdsoc.com, Collaborative Divorce Solution, Orange County. And it's got our bios and our trainings and credentials. And we're also both on the website of the International Academy of Collaborative Professionals. Uh, we've both presented a number of times at the state organization, then the uh, international conferences too. Fantastic. Okay. Thank you so much. So we'll put that in the show notes when um, the episode airs, then we'll everyone, our audience can uh, choose these ways to reach out to you and it'll be on our socials as well. Um, thank you so much for the time today and I uh, encourage everyone to get your book. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having thank us. So it was a delight. Thank you. Thank you.